Good morning for the CJRU Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixie, and debuting on the show, I've got fitness trainer and real estate agent and broker, Joseph Blue. How you doing? I'm amazing, Donovan. How are you? I'm doing good. You really love the show. You love my personality, and we're going to get to know you. And to, and to tell the listeners the truth, I don't really know you, but we know each other off social media, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> for years now. For years. Yes, for years, for years, for years. And I want to say I'm proud of the growth that you've, you know, accomplished buying a home, having a family. So I just give my flowers to you. I appreciate that, Donovan. And I and I appreciate you. And I'm proud of your journey too, man. You've been doing your your part by helping to inform the public and educate people and interview, you know, some some pretty inspirational and informative people. So I'm proud of you and I appreciate it, man. Mm -hmm. And we got like we got a lot to talk about, right? This is going to be an informative, informative interview. We're talking real estate. Why don't you tell our listeners, how did you decide you wanted to be a real estate agent? So it's it's a long story. I'll try to make it long story short, but I was in banking for about 10 years. Uh, and I also went into, while I was in banking, retail banking, I was a manager of customer experience for the most part, but I was in uh, financial service reps and personal finance. So I was helping people with mortgages for around three years and um, also with their investments, mutual funds, GIC, GICs, things like that. And um, at the same time, I was a personal trainer helping people with their fitness journey and their fitness goals. So I help people with their fitness goals and their personal finance goals. And as a manager of customer experience, I helped all of my colleagues and the team that I had under me, you know, uh, develop in their career and, and, and reach their goals, their quarterly uh, uh, sales revenue goals and, you know, the customer experience goals that they had. So I've always been coaching people into developing and reaching their goals and like, life in different facets. And um, when I was a rep doing mortgages, I just felt there was a bit of a gap in the customer ex experience side of real estate. I felt that a lot of the clients that I had that were coming for mortgages weren't really getting the full experience and uh, service that they were really deserving. So I, I early at around 24, 25 started to realize, okay, real estate's really cool. Um, real estate brokerage and, you know, being in, in real estate sales and purchases is an interesting thing. And I feel like it's more of a sales role and it's not enough of a customer experience role. So um, I had an itch for that from that age, continued my career, obviously helping people still uh, reach their fitness goals, helping my team develop and, and, you know, reach their goals in their career and develop through, you know, their career. And personally, one day, my buddy, a good friend of mine, uh, who used to live in the neighborhood with me, he said, Hey, I'm buying a house out in St. Lazar. St. Lazar is just on the uh, outskirts of Montreal. It's just west of Montreal near Vaudreuil. And uh, he told me, Hey, I'm buying a, a brand new place. I'm buying a townhouse from this developer just outside the city come and check out my place and uh so he was super excited to show me the place i went by checked it out i walked into the showroom and my wife and i had previously owned a, a condo from from 23 years old uh until about that point so 27 28 so we always had a goal to buy a house we had three dogs and we outgrew the condo and we wanted to buy another house so it's funny that my real estate journey personally has actually helped me get into real estate because I stepped in the showroom and I instantly 
kind of fell in love and had a good relationship with the the developer, one of the partners in the business and the sales rep there. And I just loved the feeling of new homes. I walked in and I just really felt that driving a little bit further uh, to be able to get a higher quality product and a newer home was, was an interesting thing. So right away, as I walked in that showroom, it just felt nice. Uh, I felt super welcomed. My buddy obviously was showing me his place, but we uh, did a tour of the neighborhood, which was a new developed uh, neighborhood around 600 homes. It was just super intriguing to see the construction happening, to see the homes at the different uh, stages of, of building, you know, foundations in, some of them had the framing. And it was just very intriguing personally, but also professionally. So I became really tight with the developer and the sales rep for the developer. And he asked me if I wanted a job within, you know, the first few minutes of us meeting each other, we kicked it off. Long behold, we ended up working together. I ended up working in that sales office and selling homes out of a model house and, uh, you know, being able to serve clients and finally be able to bridge that gap that I thought was missing in the customer experience side of a real estate transaction. What's cool is that you don't need your real estate license in order to sell new homes. So a lot of people don't know that. You don't have to be uh, licensed to do that. I did that for about a year and a half. And that's when I decided basically I, I need to get into real estate. I need to become a broker and not just be able to do this uh, on the side as I'm working at the bank. I want to do it full time. So I took my experience from being a personal trainer, having that business. Obviously, I think we met through my other business, which was a clothing line, athletic clothing. Yes. yes. And, and I was selling vintage ties. So I've had a few businesses. So I understand the entrepreneurial side of it. And I really wanted to be able to help people reach their real estate goals because I've, I've helped people reach their fitness goals, their personal finance goals, their career goals, and all these other things. And um, for me, real estate was one of the most important ones for me. It was one of the biggest goals that I think a lot of people have. And it's huge investment. So I think that's really what intrigued me being in the house, uh, going through this process. I then later bought a house from that developer. I bought the house that I used to sell out of. I actually bought the model home. So when I used to sell homes and clients used to come in and check out the, the way that the homes looked, it was actually in my house. So I later bought that house and studied for my courses, did that for about eight months. Started in real estate, left my you know stable job as a as a banker, as a manager of customer experience at TD Bank, and um, here we are today, two years later, just over two years. Uh, I'm loving it. It's the most rewarding job that I've ever had. It's the most impactful job, and it's a journey, man. I really love it. So that's mm. that's how I got into it. That's there's a lot of reasons, and I feel like the universe really pulled me in more than anything. I don't feel. It was a personal decision. I just felt like it was something that was, you know, built for me and I was built for it. So here I am, realtor, two and a half years later and loving it so much. Mm -hmm. Now, give your advice. Let's say I'm a Susan or let's say I'm a Tony and I'm tired of <laughs> Toronto's house prices. I am really tired of the housing market there. And I want yeah. something new in Montreal. What is your suggestion to me? Maybe I want to start a family or maybe with me, my wife and my husband, we just want something small. What's your suggestion? And I'm tired of Toronto. <laughs> First of all, I congratulate you for finally getting over the psychological hurdle of of leaving, you know, your hometown or the town that you're you're comfortable with. Um, you know, personally, I have nothing against Toronto or, or Vancouver for that matter, but they're just far too unaffordable for ordinary people. So if you don't have a high net worth or extremely high paying job, uh, there's no reason to stay there, you know, aside from your family, your friends and your community. That That's a wonderful thing, but it's going to be very expensive and it's going to 
require a lot of sacrifice in order to stay there. So I would congratulate them first and foremost for, for getting over that hurdle and realizing that, you know, in order to live a certain quality of life, it might be better to either move further from the city or to move to Montreal. And, you know, Montreal's median home price is around 700000 whereas Toronto single family home, it's around $1.2, million. So it's almost twice that of Montreal. And yet the actual gap in income, I, I, and if, if I was talking to you, I'd like to give people some some data first so they understand what the real um, you know numbers and financials um, are in this process. So 720,000 or 700,000 versus 1.3, you got yourself half the housing costs in Montreal, but you're not making half the income. So there's a lot of uh, economical opportunity here. So I would you know, first and foremost, make sure that it's the right move for them, that they have a job lined up, that uh, the industry that they're in is, you know, um, has a lot of opportunities over here or that they have some uh, connections or network over here to be able to, to get a job that allows them to afford the home. Uh, so that would be my first advice. We would, we would jump into that, figure out that it makes sense for them uh, from a career and professional perspective. And financially, if it makes sense, then I would probably tell them, you know, there's really cool areas of Montreal. It's a super diverse city. It's got a lot of uh, culture and it's a, it's a beautiful place. If I were to tell them to, to stay on island, I would try to tell them to get as close to uh, the lakeshore as possible. And the reason for that is, you know, I have a bias because I was born near the water, but I really just love being near Lac St. Louis in Lachine um, and LaSalle and the Verdun area. And so I would say first and foremost, let's drive around the city. Let's do a few visits. Let's check out some properties that you might like in some areas that might interest you. And then let's discuss the numbers. Let's not talk about the analytics first when it comes to the search. Let's talk about, you know, what you like and, and the feeling that you get from those areas and, and take it from there. I would also definitely suggest um, to look off island if you could, you know, South Shore, Brossard, uh, Longueuil are two really favorable and desirable areas that are developing quite a bit. And they're quite a bit more affordable than the island of Montreal. So I'd have people look on the South Shore, I'd have them look on the North Shore in areas like Blainville and um, St. Therese and St. Eustache. Uh, and I'd also have them look in Vaudreuil, St. Lazare, St. Clet, Hudson area, because that's where I'm at. And I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a super beautiful area. It's very forested. There's not a lot of uh, condensed population. So the population um, is quite a bit lower. And there's a lot more space between people with a lot more privacy and bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would do. I basically lay out people's options and see what they resonate the most with. I tell them, you know, what I like about each of the areas, what the costs are associated with it, what the upsides are and what the downsides are. It really would depend on their budget and their lifestyle and what they're looking for. So we would take it like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the downsides, let's say the downsides of it. Let's say if I example again, if I'm that couple, but I got bad credit. What do you want to tell me? First and foremost, it could take a couple of years to fix that credit. Um, there's not a lot of lending options if you do have bad credit because the major banks typically want between 580 and 600 credit score. What's cool is that if you are applying with two people, as long as one of those people have, I believe it depends on the bank, BMO, RBC, TD, uh, they're very they're very similar in that regard. But if you have a credit score of 680 plus, if the main applicant has that score, and the other person's score isn't below, you know, sometimes 550, uh, sometimes 580, um, then then you can still apply. But if you don't have a co-borrower or co-signer or, or someone that's uh, a joint applicant with you, 
that has a credit score of 650 or 680, um, then unfortunately, the major banks at least probably won't consider the file. So um, I would say take a couple of years, reestablish your credit, uh, make sure that you have your, your budget in order first and foremost, sit down, get every expense that you have out on paper, really do an audit of what you're spending your money on, go through your accounts, print the statements, highlight what you're spending, uh, highlight what you're paying in expenses, and come up with a solution that allows you to be in a surplus on a monthly basis, or at least being in a position where you're paying down credit. Because if you're not paying down the credit, if you're not paying it on time, and you're not managing your credit properly, you're never going to increase your credit score. And unfortunately, that means that you'll very likely never be um, accepted as someone that will be able to approve for a mortgage with any of the major banks. If you mm -hmm. really still want to come and or you still want to purchase a home, there are other options. There are, are B lenders or what we call alternative lenders. And those lenders basically allow you sometimes with a lower credit score to be able to purchase a home, but you'll often have a higher interest rate. So for example, and it really does vary quite a bit, but an example is, let's say you take a five-year fixed right now at uh, BMO and you get a rate of 5.25 on an uninsured mortgage. Um, if you went with an alternative lender or a B lender, you might see a six and a half, seven percent rate. So it's anywhere between one all the way up to three percent higher. But what's cool is that having the home, as long as you're managing your other credit and your other debt properly, while you have that home, it's the biggest impact that you'll have on a positive uh, credit score. So by owning the home, you can sometimes take an alternative lending option to a major bank first, allow your credit score to increase for the couple years, the two to three years while you're on that term, and hopefully bring up your credit score enough to then be considered by the major banks, which will offer you more favorable rates. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not a route you want to take, then I would step back, you know, get a hold of your finances, really just get control of them, understand what your expenses are, what your income is, take your income minus your expenses. And if you're not in a surplus, then you need to do something to change that. Mm -hmm. Considered rate would be, let's say our listeners want to know, what should my credit score be? So most of the major banks, uh, like I said, will accept a file of, and it really does vary a little bit, but 600 plus, um, 700 plus, you're, you're considered, you know, great. And then 800 plus is like an excellent. And then anything, you know, high 800s is basically pristine. It's as, almost as good as it gets for credit scores. So I would say 600, 580 plus, you could probably start getting considered by the banks as long as you show good signs of repayment history. Mm -hmm. So if, if it shows that you've changed your character, because there's a few things that the banks look at when they're borrowing, but as long as it shows that you've changed your, your character in which you lend, uh, you borrow money and you pay it back in a, in a more timely and, and regulated fashion, um, sometimes the banks will consider that. So if they see that you had a bankruptcy um, or a consumer proposal or some written off debt, but you've managed to start an arrangement with those companies and paying them down and increasing your credit and you're showing good habits for repayment of credit, uh, they'll consider you probably around 580 plus. Mm -hmm. And that does include buying a condo too, listeners, okay? <laughs> that's, that's everything. Exactly. <laughs> In case listeners are listening, say, well, then I, I'll just buy a condo. I can get my <laughs> way around it, you know, but yeah, that does include a condo. Yeah, any mortgage, any mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So what's your message again? Why should Donovan move to Montreal to buy a home, to absorb this culture of Montreal? 
Why should I invest in housing in another city? Well, when I compare it just so I have to when I analyze when I analyze a situation or someone's goals, I look at it and you know three or four different facets. What are your process goals? What are the goals that you want to have on your day-to-day? And what are your overall objectives? But how do we analyze it from a financial perspective, but a lifestyle perspective? So financially, it's it just makes the most sense. Without talking about leaving your friends, family, and without talking about the community, financially, uh, let's say, for example, uh, an average home is around 700000 but you don't have to get a detached home at 700000 You could probably find a decent home on island for six hundred and a really nice home for six hundred off island. So, so um, you've got a lot more options uh, from a financial perspective, just purchasing. But when you compare the long-term growth of co- a, co- uh, a country like Canada, number one, we've got a huge amount of influx of permanent residents and immigrants and population coming in. It's averaging at like four, anywhere between 400 and 450,000 over the next five years annually. So a lot of people look at Canada and they say, oh my God, it's overvalued, but they don't understand that it's a simple supply and demand process. And we've got very low supply and and, and very high demand as far as people that are looking to buy, that are living in Canada, that are currently here, and people that are going to be coming in the future. And so you have to look at what are the trends of these provinces and these major cities and you know, what's the uh, potential upside for a city like Montreal versus Toronto? Well, there's a huge gap between the value of our homes and the value of the homes in, in Toronto and Vancouver. We've got almost six, $700,000 gap between the average cost of a home. And so that just shows you that there's a lot of potential growth and potential upside for a city like Montreal because the economy is fairly stable. And um, it's, it's a desirable place for people to live for affordability, forget lifestyle. And so as you see different categories of homes and, you know, purchasing power start to be eroded by the population in, in BC and Vancouver and Toronto, um, you're going to start to see a lot of influx of people that just can no longer afford in these cities that are going to start to funnel into major cities like Montreal and Ottawa and maybe Calgary and Edmonton and stuff like that. So it's just going to be the natural progression of, of where the future is. And as these people start to funnel as the demand starts to come into these cities, um, the investment that you have is going to have a lot more demand for it when there's a certain amount of supply not going up at the rate that it needs to in order to match the demand. If As, as long as there's an influx of demand coming in, then you're your home as an investment is going to have a huge amount of upside versus somewhere like Toronto where the demand might not be as strong as it becomes more and more unaffordable. So from an analytical an economical and a financial perspective is just the right move to make because let's say the average income here is around $70,000 household. Whereas in Toronto, I think it's just over 105, 110,000. So you're talking 30% more, but the average cost of a home there is a hundred percent more. So it's, it's a logical move right now with your expenses to still be able to live, to not be too tight, but it's also a logical option to take because it's, it's an investment that you're making in a, a property that will very likely be in high demand or very likely be in a, in a city or in an outskirts of a city that's going to have a lot of demand over the next couple of years and increase in value substantially. So, um, you know, I always tell people, buy a house, just get a home if you can. It's, it's not anything against people that rent, but the, the statistics are there that show that home ownership is the gateway to long-term wealth. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with that, but 
yeah, there's there's a huge amount of upside in a city like Montreal that has a median cost of a home, you know, around 600, average cost around seven. And it's the second biggest city in Canada with uh, just a ton of growth potential. Mm-hmm. I like that word sacrifices. Say that again, because there are listeners that may not want to do that sacrifice. I don't want to stop spending that money. I like to go out every Friday. <laughs> so the sacrifices that you were able, that you had to make 10 years ago are far less than what you have to make today. But the sacrifices that you're going to have to make in 10 years from now are going to be far more than what they are today. So for example, when I bought my house, I bought my first condo at 239000 Um, I was still able to go out. I didn't have an incredible income. My, my current wife and I didn't have really high income, but we didn't have huge expenses because we bought the property at 239,000. So we were still able to enjoy our life a bit. But if you bought that same condo now, it'd be worth 450 just, you know, six, seven years later, or sorry, eight years later. Um, and so the same income eight years later would would cost me almost twice as much. So we wouldn't be able to go and have dinners right now. Uh, we might be able to go for one or two a month. Uh, we might have to, you know, cut down on our expenses quite a bit. But the earlier you get into real estate, uh, whether there's sacrifices or not, you have to realize that right now is the most affordable that homes will probably be um, unless they do something that solves this problem, which is build more homes and uh, or cr- increase the amortization, um, which is probably not going to happen. So you got to sacrifice things in order to have uh, an investment like a home. Some people that are renting, for example, a two bedroom apartment, if you took a market rent right now on something like that, Toronto, it's something like 25, 20, uh, no, you know, almost three grand plus, but to buy that same condo, it's going to cost you four, four, four and a half thousand, right? So you got $1,500 more to own. So you got to think of it this way. The sacrifice really comes into um, your lifestyle, the restaurants you're going to, uh, the subscriptions that you have, the, you know, the food that you eat. Um, unfortunately, the, the, the quality of kind of your, disposable income, the quality of what you're doing with that. You just don't have as much disposable income to be able to enjoy your life as much. But the beautiful thing is that if you're willing to sacrifice that, you're purchasing a home that's probably gaining you between 3 and 5% annually. These are historical numbers. And you're paying down a mortgage at anywhere between 1% and 2%. So um, in the long term, the sacrifice that you're making right now with your lifestyle allows you to be able to develop your net worth um, in the hundreds of thousands over the years. And, you know, ideally, if you're um, sticking in, in your property for a very long period of time, it could end up being millions. So the sacrifice you make today uh, with your lifestyle and and, and what you enjoy is uh, potentially to give yourself a, a a prosperous future and a future that has um, a high net worth and retirement savings and maybe not even retirement savings, but but money and equity and dollars in your pocket so that you can enjoy your life for the rest of your life and not just right now. All right. All right. All right. Sacrifices again. Talk to us and give us a quick message for those who hate the gym and they just don't like it or they ha- need to start back to get that body or to get <laughs> that six pack or to, you know, they want the bikini body this summer. What do you want to tell our people like me who fell off of working out <laughs> well what i would say you know to anyone is is uh, don't don't bite off more than you can chew and um so that really means like don't aim too high start small just like real estate don't aim for the perfect home or your forever home buy a condo buy something that you know you don't necessarily like as much but in real estate and finance and and also in fitness they're all very synonymous they all correlate and they all have a lot of interesting um ties in regards to growth, 
And so I would say, don't bite off more than you can chew. Start small, set goals and, and make a plan that works within your lifestyle and that's sustainable. So when people do things that aren't sustainable, Donovan, they don't last. And so when you try to start at the gym, you know, three days a week or five days a week for an hour and you completely change your diet um, and, and you do changes that are too dramatic for, you know, your mindset, your mentality, your lifestyle, the, the unfortunate reality is that you won't follow through on them. And, and unless you have uh, an incredibly strong mind and you're incredibly strong willed or something hits you so hard in the face that you have to make a change, you know, like maybe getting, you know, having the doctor tell you have diabetes or having the doctor tell you that you have high blood pressure or that you're overweight. That might be the shock that people need, but eventually it is coming. If you don't get active, you don't start moving because inactivity, my friend, is a slow killer. So it's a priority that people need to make. It's not something that they should make. It's something that they have to make for long-term health. So it's first realizing through awareness that they have a uh, something that needs to be solved and they need to work at it but they need to start small so but most importantly to get started don't overanalyze it you can you know if you look at some of the most fit people on the planet they're not the most intelligent people they're not these super um humans they're really normal people just like us and you know even people that are in just general relatively good shape they're normal people as well they just found a way to fit fitness and fit good good nutrition into their lifestyle in a sustainable fashion. So mm-hmm. start small, uh, become aware of your issues, understand what it is that's that's wrong and what you need to correct. Don't get too complicated. No fancy shit. Just start small, become aware and take action, but but don't overanalyze it and just get started with, with something that's sustainable. Right, right, right. So for example, you're not going to get the rock's body in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just start game. small and you know first thing if you really don't like working out then change your diet but then still eventually try to get to working out eventually right i would say if you can't work out if you can't get to the gym then you need to find ways to do body weight exercises you need to get the muscles moving because you know muscle development through resistance training is it's paramount for the body the more muscle we have typically the lower body fat percentage we have. That's just how our system works. When you train, when you do resistance training, you increase your metabolic rate. You create metabolic stress and demand on the body that allows all of the rest of your systems to flow optimally. So by doing some level of resistance training and some cardiovascular training, you're adding years to your life and you're increasing the quality of your life while you're around. So Yeah, of course, the nutrition is huge. What you consume is the most important thing. But you still have to move because you're adding muscle to your body, reduces your body fat percentage by default, um, and also increases the the way that your your bodily systems uh, optimally work. So I would say, you know, if you want to start small, start with body weight squats, uh, push-ups, Things that get the larger muscles moving. So anything to do with uh, pulling with the back, rows, uh, overhead press for your shoulders, something for your chest, uh, a chest press, a bench press, or a push-up, squats for your legs, lunges for your legs. Start with the simple stuff and stick with the simple stuff. And if you don't have time to go to the gym, do a few reps a day. Do it first thing in the morning. Make it part of your routine and your habits to do small things daily to help build your muscles, maintain muscle, uh, you know, mass. And, um, and if you can't do that, if you don't have the willpower to do that at the bare minimum, walk more, 
and and just move around more. One one thing that I do a trick for me is that I take a lot of phone calls. I have a lot of meetings like we have right now. Uh, I'm not walking around right now, but when I take phone calls uh, throughout the day, I'm probably on the phone, you know, an hour and a half, two hours a day. I just walk around. I take walks and I take my calls. And uh, so, yeah, if you can't do bodyweight workouts, which I think you should, if you can't get into the gym, um, just do a couple sets. And if you can't do that, then then walk more. Take your steps. Get a step counter on your wrist. Uh, once again, awareness is the is the first step. You're aware that you're not moving enough. Being aware, but you have to be aware of what those numbers really are. Get a Fitbit on your wrist or get one of those counters on your wrist. If you're only moving 3,000 steps a day, increase it to four. Set goals and um, and just get more active. Make it part of your life. All right, all right. Throw out your social media platforms quickly in case people want to reach you. Absolutely. So on Instagram, it's Joseph Blue, J-O-S-E-P-H-B-L-U. On Twitter, it's the Joe Blue. On TikTok, it's just Joe Blue. All so right. TikTok, Joe Blue. Instagram, Joseph Blue. All Very right. Straightforward. All right. All right. All right. It was really great to get to know you. Thank you for debuting on the show. I appreciate you, Donovan. I love what you're doing, man. You got great energy, and uh, we all appreciate you. You're you're a great man. All right. For CJRU 1280 AM, I'd like to thank real estate agent and fitness trainer. You can throw out your name again. Joseph Blue. Thank you, and thank you for the listeners for listening. Thank you, Donovan. Take care.